Welcome back, GPSers, to another edition of the GPS Podcast. I'm really glad that you're back here with us today in what has become a series that we are going to be staying in for the foreseeable future. Uh, Hopefully, you have listened to the last two weeks of our podcast um, as we began to change direction for where we're going to head this summer and some of the conversations that we are going to be having around race and racial justice and hearing from different stories and perspectives of individuals who can speak into this conversation in ways that are productive and healthy and can move us in a better, more faithful direction. And as we set out a couple of weeks ago, there's a prayer from St. Francis of Assisi that has, has been a guidepost for us in these conversations. And one of the most important parts of that prayer to me personally has been the request that we are not the kinds of people as followers of Jesus who simply want to be understood, but we seek to understand others and that we place a priority on that um, at times even more so than being understood. And so the last couple of weeks, we heard stories from Taylor Moore and Lamar Moore listening in on some of their experiences as black men and women in America and in churches. And hopefully you listened and learned and leaned into those stories and those conversations. And I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those. I think it's important in these conversations that we don't just talk about stories, though. I think we also need to talk about steps, practical steps that we can take in order to move towards racial justice and racial reconciliation and moving in a better direction, moving closer to uh, what many have called the beloved community. And so we're going to do that today. And I've invited and asked Lamar and Taylor to come back to help us think through steps that can be helpful for us to take as we try to be men and women who move towards racial justice and racial reconciliation. So, thank you all for being here. Welcome back to the podcast. I know this was a highlight for you the last couple of weeks, so I'm glad that you came back. Um, and, And what I read a few weeks ago on Facebook sparked the idea for this podcast. And what I read was a post by Taylor on June the 1st, I believe, where she basically gave a list of practical steps that people can take for those of us who want to move in racial justice directions and want to be people who are ministers of reconciliation when it comes to to race. And so Taylor, what I'd like to start with is just give us a little background for that post. Where did it come from? What made you sit down and Lamar? I don't want to leave Lamar out. (laughs) That was a Lamar and Taylor production, Uh, but it was posted on your Facebook page, Taylor. So tell us a little bit about uh, the origins and then Lamar, you can correct her wherever she gets off track. (laughs) So what led to that post is that we had several friends and coworkers that reached out to us and they wanted to know more 
about what they could be doing in their everyday lives. So we decided a good way to address everyone was to make a post because several of these people are our friends on Facebook already. So we decided to make this post and it's by no means an expert post. It just comes from our hearts, what we've observed and what we think would make a difference. And one of the things that you said in this, which I think is important to keep in mind, is that this was specifically directed at your white friends, mm-hmm. uh, people like me and other people in your life who are who are white. And, and that, I think, is an important thing to keep in mind uh, because for a lot of white individuals, this conversation is coming onto their radar in a way that it never has. Right. And I think that's a good thing. I think that is an important thing. But this is something that many others have been talking about and working towards for a really, really long time. And what I appreciated about the list was that it was so accessible to someone who may just be becoming aware Mm -hmm. of these deep-seated issues in our churches and in our country and in our world. And so for those of us, for those of you who are listening in, who may be a little further down the road in this conversation, this may feel like a very basic 101 kind of conversation, but that's the point. That's the point of this particular podcast and the point of this particular post, because we want to give people baby steps, entry steps into moving things in a better uh, direction. And so we have a list of seven mm-hmm. um, that we're going to move through, things that you put. And what I would ask you all to do is just kind of take it away um, and read off what you put, and then we'll talk about each one, and then we'll move on to the next one, and we'll keep going. And this may take two podcasts. We may do them all in this one. Um, so take it away. All right. Please. So step number one that we put was to acknowledge that America has an issue with race. Do not downplay the problem. So a lot of times we see that people are saying, oh, this is not a problem. That was so long ago. But what I encourage people to do is to put into perspective exactly how long ago it was. Um, From yesterday being Juneteenth, we were exactly 155 years away from being free. African-Americans being released, everyone released from slavery. And put it into perspective, that's not very old. That's not too far removed. If you go back in your lineage, and I trace my lineage, um, as far as like my parents, they were born in the 60s. Racism still going on. My grandparents were born in the 30s. Segregation is going on. Their parents were born at the end of the 1800s. And then once you get to my great-great-grandparents, they're still in slavery. They still are servants at this point. So it's not too far removed. Some of us have relatives that are still living that went through these different um, progressions in America. So just realizing that it's a problem, it's still here, and we need to do something about it. Also, I was reading here within the last week or two a book, um, well, it's actually a letter a speech that Willie Lynch delivered. He was a slave owner, and he delivered this speech in, I want to say, in Virginia. Now, it's 
the rumor is that Willie Lynch wasn't even a real man. Uh, that's he, neither here or there. But what he delivered was the making of a slave. And his plan, he called this an economic plan. And it was how you could keep black people down. And he said, this should work for many, many, many years. And he named a particular, I don't know the number, but if you would have counted from that point that he delivered that speech and the amount of years he said, that would have put us at 2012. Hmm. So just realize this was a plan. Certain individuals in America decided that this particular group needed to stay down, be put down, and they wanted to keep this thing going. So just don't downplay that this is the issue. Don't just say, ah, I don't really know why they're upset. It's not that bad. Yeah. Oh, and I was just going to chime in just a little bit. Well, first, I wanted to clarify something that was stated in the last few um, podcasts. When Taylor spoke last time, she said that um, we were in our 30s. I am not in my 30s. <laughs> that is a disclaimer. I am still in my 20s. So um, I just had to set the record straight because as, this has been a Christian uh, podcast. I just want to make sure that we are providing um, truth. Truth. There mm-hmm. you go. Because, you know, the truth shall set you free, <laughs> as the good book says. Um, but no, I would just kind of piggyback on that. Um, you know, you talked about how long it's been since, you know, 155 years. But then you had the Jim Crow laws, you know, and that you know, lasted up until a little over 50 years ago. And so, you know, that's our grandparents, you know, our friends' parents, those people that are in their 30s, you know, <laughs> their their parents or grandparents. So, you know, I have friends that have grandparents. They say, well, we know our grandparents that they are, you know, racist, racist you know, and, and they say that, you know, and this is, you know, from white friends and they know that. And that the goal is that each generation, we just have to continue to do better and continue to make positive steps. And I think that, you know, change is going to come and that we can accomplish that change. And as I was reading through this first one and was reflecting on it, you know, I've, I've been married to a therapist for a while and have had conversations about healthy therapy and unhealthy therapy. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest um, steps in moving towards health as a couple or as an individual is simply being able to name things. Mm -hmm. And if we are not willing to acknowledge this is a part of the history of our country, um, that this is a major force that has shaped so many dimensions of our life together, whether or not we are aware of it, that is a huge step. And I appreciated you starting with that one because simply saying, yes, this is a problem, this this exists, um, I think is, a, is an important first step in then beginning to say, okay, but where does it exist mm-hmm. and where do I see it? And so unless you say, yes, this is a problem, racism is real, this has shaped our country, this is an injustice that has been going for decades and decades and centuries, then you're basically not going to be able to get very far in conversation Mm -hmm. or in working to make things better or working 
to make things right. Um, and real quick, because I know y'all love follow-up questions from me. Um, what? And if you don't have an answer, that's okay. What do you? What does it look like to downplay it? When you say do not downplay, acknowledge that America has an issue with race. Do not downplay the problem. What might it look like for someone to try to downplay this? In your opinion, what have you seen or observed? Um, I would say a few things will be first, like not acknowledging it at mm-hmm. all. So when the elephant, elephant is in the room mm-hmm. and just not acknowledging it. And then I'll say also to say, oh, well, that was a hundred plus years ago. Or we're not, you know, that was back in the 60s. This is this is 2020, mm-hmm. you know, or the old school, you know, saying every year, new year, new me. Or, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is 2020, like. That's not that long ago. And so to try to downplay it, those are like probably the two main ones I can think of off the cuff. No, that's really good. Um, Both a denial or a distancing can both be really, really problematic. Um, Those are really, really good. And as the quote that I don't know who said it, but if you don't know your history, you are bound to repeat it. Mm -hmm. There is something simply about being aware of the history of your country mm-hmm. and being really honest about that that I think is probably a huge step in simply acknowledging the reality of racism. And then we go to, okay, so then where do we see it? How does it play out today? So, um, yeah, number one, acknowledge that there is an issue with race and do not downplay the problem. Um, and I would also say that downplaying, our education system has really done a good job with downplaying um, the issue with race. You don't find a lot of this in your school books. Um, a lot of times you see a little blurb on Martin Luther King Jr. You'll see something on Rosa Parks and you might see something on Frederick Douglass. And that's like your three leading characters And you'll see maybe one page dedicated to all three and you know nothing else. So therefore, you're shaped your what you think about black America is shaped by that little page in your textbook in middle school or high school or whatnot. So I would say also not even just us as individuals, but our education system, the curriculum that's being taught is downplaying the real issue. There's a name of a, an author who's done a lot of historical work mm-hmm. who is getting a lot of attention, rightfully so, because of his excellent work. Um, a guy by the name of Ibram Kendi. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called Stamped from the Beginning, which is a really, really helpful historical look mm-hmm. at the problem of racism. And that book is about... 594 pages. Mm-hmm. So that may seem intimidating, but what was really what has been really helpful is there is now a, a book that is basically distilling the most essential information from that big thick historical work into a young adult book that's simply called Stamped. That if someone's looking for a resource that's really accessible, this is written for young adults. Um, and the author is Ibram Kendi, uh, and he partnered with a well-known young adult novelist to basically rewrite this thick history book 
in a much more accessible form. And that may be a good, and we're going to try to give resources along mm-hmm. the way at the very end. But as we go along, if there are moments and places where we can give resources, we want to try to do that. And I will try to link those resources in the show notes. I've never done that before. So I'll try to figure that out to where you can get links to these things. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the book Stamped, uh, Ibram Kendi, or if you want to read the big thing, Stamped from the beginning. So that would be a helpful historical resource if you want to know more about the history of race mm-hmm. in America. And also I would say to piggyback off of that, even talking to your family members. Um, A lot of our family members, like I said, they were in the heat of this or their parents or descendants were in the heat of this. So my grandparents are in their 80s. I just talked to them, picked their brain. What what was going on? And they, especially I found that the older people get, they will just tell the raw truth, (laughs) whether you want to hear it or not. So while these wonderful resources are still alive and around, please take... um, measures to talk to them. That's great. Okay, that's great for uh, first step. Now let's move into the second step. Um, a second, not that these are in order, but what you put as number two, and then let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, number two, be ready to listen. Being black in America is tough, so seek to listen and understand a side you most likely are not familiar with. So what I would say to that is, Be ready to come to the table to listen and not to respond. A lot of times, as human beings, as people are talking, you're already trying to formulate a response. Just really seek to listen and take in the experience of who you're listening to. And I concur. (laughs) Um, I do think there is a difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. And I think that what can easily happen in these conversations is be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard his story, mm-hmm. but did you really listen to his story? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard what they said, but did you really listen to what they said? And I think there can be the temptation of, oh, yeah, I watched a documentary, check right. that box. I read the book, check that box. I, I talked to this person, check that box. And it can almost become this to-do list we try to move through mm-hmm. in listening but there's really no learning there's no really uh, the phrase that i've heard is deep listening mm-hmm. and i think that's especially important in these conversations because i will speak just from my own personal experience sometimes these conversations make me really uncomfortable i feel defenses go up i feel that but what about spirit go up i feel the yeah but syndrome that mm-hmm. happens and, and I have really had to work on and continue to work on letting that just rest and letting myself get into a posture where I can really receive what another person is saying and the story that they are uh, telling me. And so just last two weeks, the last two podcasts, intentionally, I, I tried to drop all my defenses and drop all of my guards to just receive y'all's stories, Mm -hmm. which I really do. Again, I want to say thank you for sharing those. And what has been encouraging to me is hearing other people say, I really heard something for the first time. 
And I think that's important in these conversations because the bubbles that we form happen in very subtle ways Mm -hmm. and we reinforce those bubbles and those bubbles get reinforced for us. Mm -hmm. Meaning we click on something on Facebook, we like something on Facebook and we're going to keep seeing that person. Um, there, There is a lot shaping our bubbles and keeping them reinforced. And so I think this desire to listen to black men and women, black brothers and sisters, can be a real challenge when we are so cultured and conditioned to be around people just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just I think that's a huge, huge, por- a, a huge step. Being ready and willing. To listen, I think that's huge. Um, anything else about that that you want to? I'll say something. Um, I kind of appreciate what you said about like the listening and learning, the listening and learning uh, part of it. Um, well, y'all just didn't hear Taylor try to tell me get, <laughs> get get closer to the mic. I said I'm pretty sure I'm loud enough for them to hear me. Um, but the listening and learning because everybody's story is different. So like Wilson, you heard me and Taylor's story. And it was different stories. Mm. Except we did tell that one same story. And disclaimer, we did not know that we both was going to say that story in our mm-hmm. podcast. But, you know, a lot of times you say, hey, I talked to this one black friend. And then their story, you equate that one story as to, like, the whole black experience. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, listen, if you, you know, if you're watching, uh, you know, docu-series or you're talking to individuals, you know, you, every you talk to two or three different black people, the story is going to be slightly different. You're going to learn a little bit from each and every um, person and their different experiences. So just actively listen uh, for that if you're having those conversations. Yeah, I think that it's easy to hear one perspective and think that represents all perspectives. It's right. easy to talk to one person and think that represents everybody's perspective. And that's just... Not true, and we wouldn't apply that same logic to other areas of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to hear multiple perspectives from different doctors. We want to hear multiple perspectives from financial advisors. There's Preachers. So, there, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, um, but yeah, we, you know, and, and and I think that's a really important piece. I think. Finding people's memoirs, Mm -hmm. past and present. Go back and read the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. And read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And you will see a very strong contrast of stories. And then we live in a world now where there are so many more memoirs being released frequently. Mm -hmm. And, And I encourage people to find a variety of different people's stories so that you can begin to see how textured and layered and more complex this is than simply a single label that we may give or a single story that we may hear. So, um, yeah, thank you all both. I think those are both really, really important parts of listening. Um, Are there particular since we kind of spoke on it and I know we're kind of interspersing resources throughout um, are there 
books or stories or autobiographies or biographies that maybe have been really helpful for you that you would recommend? I know this is kind yes. of jumping ahead, but it feels relevant to, to where the conversation just went. Yes, definitely. And that ties in, I'm on, before we give some of those, that ties in right into number three, what you're talking about. Oh, a segue. Uh, I yes, love a good segue, awesome. Taylor. So number three says, educate yourself. Some things to ask is, what does it mean to be black in America? Why are black people so angry? How can I promote change? So this plays right into what you're saying about these different books and documentaries, uh, podcasts, because several out there tackle accurately the idea and the problem of racism. Some that helped me in school, like I said, you did not get a lot of history. So the history that I learned were through my family telling me different stories. And I just took days where I just sat in the library and dug through books because that's what I like to do. Mm. And for me, I went back to Frederick Douglass autobiography. Um, I looked at Booker T. Washington. And a lot of times you would see two on the opposite sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was helpful to look at Martin Luther King Jr. versus Malcolm X. Things of that nature because it gives you a wider perspective. You could also see, though, through all of these leaders, you see a common goal to move forward. They may have different ways of getting there and different plans and steps of action, but they all had the same common goal in mind. Also, there are documentaries. Um, for us, we enjoyed 13th, which is on Netflix. The modern day slavery in America is, you can see it in our prison system. So things like just movies like Just Mercy, and also Just Mercy is a book. I suggest you read that as well. It paints vividly what is still going on. A lot of people say, well, slavery is over. Yeah, but it changed its form. Mm -hmm. Right now, that is in our prison system. And it's very interesting to see the strategic plans of even our presidents and things that they said and they pushed during their presidency that made our prison system grow. And who was it meant to encapture? Yeah. And I'll kind of piggyback off that, you know, um, a lot of people say, oh, well, the system is not broken. It's not you know, disadvantage, you know, because people are doing, you know, crimes and of that nature, but the statistics show that you're likely to go to jail and serve a longer sentence for the same crime if you're a black versus a, a white man. And I, you know, I have a law degree, uh, so I've been in law school for four years. I passed the bar, have a lot of friends in the legal profession. And so people say, oh, you just saying that I know how the system works. I know the prima facie, I know all those different elements, I know the history, now I'm not no expert of, of, you know, of law, but I, I know the ins and outs to know how that system works, and so that's one thing that drove me to also pursue a law degree to be able to help, not just people of color, but help people to not be taken advantage of, of the system. Mm. Yeah, and I think that um, there are plenty of helpful resources out there to really expand a person's understanding if they really want to, again, listen and learn and, and, and seek to understand more so than being understood. Um, 
And I think that's really, really important. I'll just speak personally from my experience. Some resources that have been helpful for me um, are books like Between the World and Me mm-hmm. uh, by Ta-Nehisi Coates mm-hmm. is a short, but it is a powerful memoir of him writing a letter uh, to his son and the reflections that he gives Mm -hmm. in that book were so helpful and he's such a good writer and again he represents a particular perspective of of black americans but it was a really good perspective for me to hear again to begin to see the diversity of perspectives and views um a book like the new jim crow Mm -hmm. by michelle alexander was a really eye-opening book for me that did a lot of the same things that the documentary 13th also does in helping us understand the mass incarceration system in America and maybe some blind spots and injustices that are happening that we just may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. About a year ago uh, in August... A really short series of podcasts were released called 1619 that were about four or five, six episodes that helped articulate part of the black experience in America, starting with the very first slave ship that arrived in 1619. Again, Some of these are books, some of these are movies, some of these are podcasts. We are trying to give a diversity of options because different people learn in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Most recently, there was a short YouTube clip done by, of all people, the guy who created VeggieTales, go figure, (laughs) um, simply called Holy Post Race in America. It's about a 20-minute video that he lays out as a white person things that he's learned about the black experience in America that have shaped his view on race differently. So again, those are just a few places that might be good entry points and good hooks for you to get into the conversation and begin to listen and educate yourself. And again, trying to stretch beyond your bubble and to try to move into places that I promise you will make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They will make you frustrated. They will make you feel a variety of emotions. But, and I think Lamar said this um, in, in one of, in the last podcast, there, there is never any growth and transformation without some pain. Mm -hmm. There's never any, stretching and moving to a better and healthier level without going through some discomfort. And so as a white person, I would just say, just be open to feeling that. Mm -hmm. Just be open and and getting used to that because I think it will ultimately be a gift to you um, even though we resist discomfort in, in anything that might stretch us too much. So... But that's kind of my perspective on some things that have been helpful in my own education. Um, and I would say, too, this is where one time it's important to have, well, not one time, all the time, it's important to have black friends 
because it's one thing to open up books and to look at documentaries, but also just pick your friend's brain. I've had several of my friends who are white, whether they were co-workers or people I go to church with, just sit down and ask me some tough questions. Mm. And we've had tough conversations, but they appreciated it in the end because it gave them a better perspective. And I just want to quote Morgan Freeman. I like this quote that he said, I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. And it's just funny to me that we give black history month, the shortest month, February in the year. And we expect everyone to learn everything in that one little 28 days until it's leap year. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a little longer then. (laughs) But that should just, black history is American history. It's just another facet. It's just another part of it. So that's something we should be doing on a daily basis, just like we learn about um, different wars in America and different people. We need to be learning about black history as well. Let's end there for now. Let's press pause and call this part one of some practical steps that people can take. And I'm going to close this podcast out and want to encourage you to come back next week for part two of some practical steps that that you and I can take uh, for those of us who want to move in justice directions, who want to try to be ministers of reconciliation when it comes to race. And again, I'm going to say this a bunch, but I again want to thank you both, Taylor and Lamar, for sharing and leading and teaching and being willing to be such gracious guides to so many people during, I think, a really important time. And so again, I want to just say thank you for that. Thank you all for listening, and y'all have a wonderful rest of the week, and we will see you back here next week.